Hey, Grimaholics, it's your host, Kinsey, bringing you another brand new episode for our teen dating violence segment. When we think about violence in relationships, we often only think about it happening to adults. But one thing that we really have to understand is that teen dating violence is extremely common. According to the CDC, nearly 1 in 11 female and approximately 1 in 15 male high school students report having experienced physical dating violence in the last year. About 1 in 9 female and 1 in 36 male high school students report having experienced sexual dating violence in the last year. Not only that, but 26% of women and 15% of men who were victims of contact sexual violence, physical violence, and are stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime first experienced those or other forms of violence by that partner before the age of 18. The CDC states that there's also several different types of teen dating violence. There's physical violence, sexual violence, psychological aggression, and stalking. Over the last 30 days, it was Holly and I's mission to be able to spread awareness about teen dating violence to help protect the teenagers around us. We really hope that if you are a parent of a teenager or a teenager yourself, that you were able to take something away from this segment and be able to be better educated to protect your children or yourself. For this teen dating violence episode, we wanted to cover the case of Michelle Carter. We just want to really stress that women are not the only victims of teen dating violence, that it can happen to anybody.
Michelle Carter is from Plainville, Massachusetts, and Conrad was from Mattapoisett, Massachusetts, which is about 35 miles from where Michelle had lived. According to Michelle's family, she was a really fun, outgoing, friendly girl. She had lots of friends. She did really well in school. But around the age of nine, she actually ended up developing an eating disorder, and I was not able to find exactly which eating disorder. If, like, she had uh, anorexia or bulimia, it didn't really go into any specifics. And not only did she have an eating disorder, but Michelle ended up struggling with really bad mental health. Her family said that Michelle would often inflict injuries on herself, like, unfortunately, she was cutting to, like, cope with her pain. So, did her family get her any kind of help, or what did they do for her? Yeah, they did, actually, right away. Um, Once she started cutting herself is when they decided to go ahead and actually start getting Michelle treatment. So, at the age of 14, she started receiving mental health treatment at the McLean Hospital, and after a lot of evaluation, they really felt that Michelle needed to be on actually a couple different types of psychiatric medications. And what about Conrad? Did he struggle with any kind of mental health issues? Um, yes. So Conrad actually did struggle with mental health. His family said that prior to a teenager, they never would have had any indication that he was going to end up needing antidepressant medication. His family said that, like Michelle, he was very loving and he was a friendly kid. He was on the honor roll multiple times in high school. Conrad actually ended up graduating with a 3.8 GPA. And he ended up getting accepted to the Fitchburg State University. And his mom said that later on he decided not to go. Which I wanted to try and find out why he decided not to go. Because he ended up getting a scholarship. Which is pretty good. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you would think that getting a full scholarship like that, you would take it. But he ended up turning it down. So maybe it was part of his mental health issues that were holding him back, perhaps. That's kind of a speculation I did have, was that maybe his mental health was just really in a bad place when he graduated, and he just maybe felt like getting into college would make things a lot worse for him. Well, especially since college is extremely overwhelming to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. And his family had also said that even though Conrad really did struggle with his mental health throughout high school, he was a really big, avid athlete. He played basketball, he uh, was on the rowing team, he ran track. Him and his family were also really into sailing. So after high school in 2014, he got his captain's license. So that way him and his family could sail together. And he even helped at his family's tow and salvage shop. So it really seemed to me like even though he had such a bad time with his mental health and he really struggled and he was on and off different medications like Celexa and different things, he really did not let it control his life. What his mom basically said was that their relationship was only really over text message and email. So it was kind of like an online relationship, like a distance relationship. Yeah, like almost a long distance relationship, which is weird because they were only 35 miles from each other. Yeah, that's not far at all. No, you would be able to just jump in the car and go visit each other. And I really wanted to try and find out, like, the nature of their relationship because I feel like for a teen dating violence segment, you really need to, like, get down to the details of how they were together and, like, how they acted with each other. But there was just, like, nothing. And I'm pretty much assuming it's because everything was done over text message and email. It's not really easy to figure out exactly how Michelle acted towards Conrad or how Conrad acted towards Michelle. And one thing also that kind of really stuck out to me, and I wish I could have found, like, more clarification on this 
was that Michelle was the one who referred to Conrad as her boyfriend. And according to Conrad's mom, he never even considered her girlfriend. That's kind of odd. Yeah, I don't really know why that he never called her a girlfriend because Michelle was like dead set like everybody in her life said that her and Conrad were dating they just never really saw each other in person so I'm not really sure why he never made it official or if that's just how his mom felt but I wish I could have found more clarification on that Uh, Conrad had did actually attempt suicide when he was 17 so he really did have a really hard time with his mental illness and when he was 17 he ended up overdosing on antihistamine. He was in a group on Facebook, and it was a group for kids who struggled with mental illness. So, you know, you can just go on there and chat about your struggles, and he had made some friends in this group. And one night, he was really struggling, and Conrad told one of his friends from this group that he was going to commit suicide that night. And I don't know if she really didn't take him seriously, but she did not message him back. Conrad ends up taking all this antihistamine and he calls her and says, I took them. And she got scared and like in a huge frantic, she ended up calling 911. And this girl doesn't live in Massachusetts. She lives in another state. But they ended up becoming extremely close to each other. So this girl like essentially really saved his life. So Conrad ends up in the hospital. He's there for a few days and they do release him back home. And during this time, him and Michelle were friends. So it just called them friends. It did not call them boyfriend and girlfriend. It just kind of called them friends. And after this attempted suicide, he starts telling Michelle that he is going to kill himself again. And to my surprise, Michelle was actually talking him out of it. So this... At first she was talking him out of it? Yeah. So he's had multiple suicide attempts. There was three, three attempts. And the first two, she talked him out of it. She said, look, you have so much to live for. You don't need to do this. Your family's going to miss you. And you need to be here. Your family needs you. So then in 2014, in July, is when he started talking suicide again. And I'm not really sure why her attitude changed towards his suicide attempts and his feelings. But in July of 2014 is when she actually started talking him into killing himself. So I don't know what switched. So I don't know if maybe Michelle started suffering with mental health herself at that time. And maybe she was going through her own struggles and that's why she did it. But it's just like, how do you go from being, I love this guy, do not kill yourself, everybody needs you, you're so important, to just months later saying go kill yourself like you can do it I just don't understand how there was such a huge change in her I don't understand it so after Conrad had started talking about you know he's struggling with his mental health he's wanting to commit suicide July 13th comes and July 13th Him and his sister were at the beach, and his sister, Camden, she was talking about how he just seemed off, like something in his face, something was off for her. And he's sitting there texting just nonstop, just texting nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And she didn't know who he was texting at the time. And in this interview with 48 Hours, she tells them, 
looking back on it, she wishes that she would have stepped in and did something. Because Camden had no indication that later that day her brother was going to take his own life. So who he was texting was Michelle. And I went through the list of these text messages, and I don't know if you've seen them yet, but they're just chilling because listening to, or not listening to, seeing the words that Michelle was saying to him was almost like she was just blank. There was like almost no emotion. There was like almost no soul. And so that's why it kind of makes me wonder if during this time she was struggling with her own mental health because just how, you know, they say a lot when you're on different types of medications, you kind of just go numb when you're taking different types of psychiatric medications. And so it makes me wonder if she was just numb and she just didn't care and there's no feelings. But we are going to go ahead and read these text messages because we want y'all to understand the extent of what Michelle did here. I also want to add first before we read these text messages, Michelle did not just text him on the 13th encouraging him to kill himself. This was going on for days. But the 13th is when she finally was able to push Conrad over the edge. Holly is going to read Conrad's part, and I'm going to read Michelle's part. Conrad, hey, are you there? Hey, sorry, I fell asleep. It's okay. Why haven't you done it yet, though? I'm too messed up, too. What are you talking about? My head. You can't think about it. You just have to do it. You said you were going to do it. Like, I don't get why you aren't. I don't get it either. I don't know. So I guess you aren't going to do it then? All that for nothing? I'm just confused. Like, you were so ready and so determined. I'm gonna eventually. I really don't know what I'm waiting for, but I have everything lined up. No, you're not, Conrad. Last night was it. You kept pushing it off, and you say you'll do it, but you never do. It's always going to be that way if you don't take action. You're just making it harder on yourself by pushing it off. You just have to do it. Do you want to do it now? Is it too late? I don't know. It's already light outside. I'm going to go back to sleep. Love you. I'll text you tomorrow. No, it's probably the best time now because everyone's sleeping. Just go somewhere in your truck and no one's really out right now because it's an awkward time. If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. And you can say you'll do it tomorrow, but you probably won't. Tonight. Love you. Thank you. For what? Are you awake? Yes. Are you going to do it today? Yes. Like in the daytime? Should I? Yeah, it's less suspicious. You won't think about it as much, and you'll get over with it instead of waiting until the night. Yeah, then I will. Like where? Like I can go in any enclosed area. Go in your truck and drive in a parking lot somewhere to park or something. Do it now, like early. Didn't we say this was suspicious? No, I think night is more suspicious. A kid sitting in his car just with the radio on and do it. It won't be suspicious, and it won't take long. All right, I'm taking Holly for a walk. Okay. I don't know why I'm like this. Sometimes things happen and we never have the answers why. Like, why am I so hesitant lately? Like, two weeks ago, I was willing to try everything and now I'm worse, really bad, and I'm not following through. It's eating me inside. You're so hesitant because you keep overthinking it and pushing it off. You need to do it, Conrad. The more you push it off, the more it will eat at you. You're ready and prepared. All you have to do is turn on the generator and you be free and happy. No more pushing it off. No more waiting. You're right. If you want it as bad as you say you do, it's time to do it today. Yep, no more waiting. 
Okay, I'm serious. Like, you can't wait till tonight. You have to do it when you get back from your walk. Thank you. For what? Still being here. I would never leave you. You're the love of my life, my boyfriend. You're my heart. I'd never leave you. Aw. I love you. Love you, too. When will you be back from your walk? Like, five minutes. Okay, so you're going to do it? I guess. Well, I want you to be ready and sure. I don't know. I'm freaking out again. I'm overthinking. I thought you wanted to do this. The time is right and you're ready. You just need to do it. You can't keep living this way. You just need to take it like you did last time and not think about it and just do it, babe. You can't keep doing this every day. I do want to, but like I'm freaking out for my family, I guess. I don't know. Conrad, I told you I'll take care of them. Everyone will take care of them to make sure that they won't be alone and people will help them get through it. We talked about this. They will be okay and they'll be able to accept it. People who commit suicide don't think this much and they just do it. I know, I know, lol. Thinking just drives me more crazy. Exactly. You just need to do it, Conrad, or I'm going to get you help. You can't keep doing this every day. Okay, I'm going to do it today. Do you promise? I promise, babe. I have to now. Like right now. Where do I go? And you can't break a promise and just go in a quiet parking lot or something. Okay. Go somewhere you know you won't get caught. You can find a place I know you can. Are you doing it now? Still have no clue. Not finding a place to go isn't an excuse. I know where to go. Where? A park and ride. Ride? That's what it's called. It's like a parking lot. Oh, okay, gotcha. Are you going now? Either that or go to the beach. Why would you go to the beach? Well, that's where my mom's going. I thought you were just going to go do it. My mom's making me go. When I get home, I'm going to do it. Okay, promise? I'm going kayaking anyways. Haha, <laughs> you love kayaking. Yep, something I wish we could have done. Make sure you take your son kayaking. Haha, <laughs> of course I will. Good. What's up? Kayaking. Haha. <laughs> Still? Yep, but I'm done now. I love you so much. I love you forever. I'm in the worst pain right now. It's unbearable. I think it's time to do it now, then. Do you agree? Conrad, please answer me. I'm still at the beach. Okay, sorry. Let me know when you're leaving. Okay. I'm determined. I'm happy to hear that. I'm ready. Good, because it's time, babe. You know that. When you get back from the beach, you gotta do it. You're ready. You're determined. It's the best time. Okay, I will. Are you back? No more thinking. Yes. No more thinking. You just need to do it. No more waiting. I'm on my way back. I know where to go now. A parking lot. There's going to be no cars there at 9, so that's when I'll be found. Okay, perfect. When will you be home? 10 minutes. Haha, ha, that's perfect. Okay, and well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So should I keep it in the back seat or front? In front. You could write on a piece of paper and tape it along saying carbon monoxide or something if you're scared. I was thinking that, but someone might see it before it actually happens. Well, wait. The generator is going to be on because you'll be passed out, so they'll know you use carbon poisoning. It's not loud, is it? Not really. Okay, good. Are you going to do it now? I'm home. Okay. Ah. What? I don't know. I'm stressing. You're fine. It's going to be okay. You just got to do it, babe. You can't think about it. Okay. Okay, I got this. Yes, you do. I believe in you. Did you delete the messages? Yes, but you're going to keep messaging me? I will until you turn on the generator. Okay, well, I'm bringing my sisters for ice cream. So you will do it when you get back? Yep, I'll go right there. Okay. Love you. I love you so much. Haha, <laughs> what are you doing? 
Nothing, just really resting. Okay, haha. I'm procrastinating. Yeah, I know. Are you back? Yup. So it's time? Oh, it's been time. Are you going to do it now? I just don't know how to leave them, you know? Say you're going to the store or something. Like, I want them to know I love them. They know. That's one thing they definitely know. You're overthinking. I know I'm overthinking. I've been overthinking for a while. I know. You just have to do it, like you said. Are you going to do it now? I haven't left yet. Ha ha. Why? Leaving now. Okay, you can do this. Okay, I'm almost there. Okay, please answer me. I'm scared. Are you okay? I love you. Please answer. You're at your dad's. Camden told me. I'll get you help soon, I guess. I thought you actually did it. As you read the text messages, I'm sure it kind of sounded like it was a quick thing. But this whole situation with Conrad going to the parking lot and being in his truck actually lost, lasted several hours. Conrad left his house and he went over to a Kmart parking lot. And while they were exchanging text messages, they also spoke over the phone. Michelle had actually called Conrad twice, and they spoke for 45 minutes each. So he was sitting in his car for, or he was sitting in his truck for kind of a long time, like hours, deciding what he should do and what he shouldn't do. One of the big things that, uh, that sticks out in this case is when Michelle told him to get back into his truck. And I thought that was a text message. But after learning about these recorded phone calls, it makes me wonder if Michelle was actually on the phone with him and told him to get back in the truck. And during these phone calls is when he actually passed away. So I don't understand how you can encourage somebody to kill themselves because obviously you can clearly see in those text messages, he did not want to kill himself. Like he had no feeling of really wanting to take his life and she 100% pushed him to that point and so for her to have the audacity to tell him to get back in the truck when he found the courage to get out of his truck is just disgusting like I don't know how can you even fathom listening to somebody die and knowing that that's what's going on Yeah, like, you have to have absolutely no soul in your body to be able to listen to somebody that you say you love be able to take their own life like that. And I'm sure it wasn't an easy thing to listen to for a normal person. I'm sure he was gasping for air, and I'm sure it was a really horrible sound. And for her to be able to just sit there and listen to it until it was done. One thing that I found, like, deeply disturbing was the fact that after... He had passed away, and she obviously knew that he was doing it. She was texting her friends, talking about how she can't get a hold of him. Nobody knows where he is. She she doesn't know what's going on, and that she just knows that he struggles with depression. And it almost is like she's playing it off like she is this victim herself being the girlfriend of someone who has a mental illness like she's seeking attention do you think like her entire plan with for this was to be able to this entire time be able to play victim like do you think she kind of like planned this in her head well with reading her text messages and and 
completely acting like she doesn't know a single thing. I absolutely 100% think she wanted to be known as the girlfriend of the dead guy. So she got the sympathy because the exchanges between her and her friends that I read, her friends were telling her, when she did say, okay, yeah, he did kill himself. Oh my gosh, I should have known that he was feeling this way. Her friends were saying, Michelle, it's not your fault. You had no idea. You couldn't have controlled this. You couldn't have helped it. So I 100% think that she wanted to be seen as a also a victim herself of such a tragic thing when she really manipulated the situation. If you also look back to their text message, do you remember the text message where she said, did you delete the messages? So it's almost like she kind of knew she could get caught and get in trouble. Yeah. And she just didn't care. That just actually just popped in my head when I was thinking back to those messages. Like, she straight up wants him to delete that because she knew, like, if he is found, like, I'm going to get caught and I'm going to be in trouble. And she still just did not care. On February 4th, 2015, she was indicted for recklessly assisting suicide. Michelle did end up waiving her right for a jury trial, so the judge in the local county ended up hearing her case, and he ended up actually finding her guilty of involuntary manslaughter, so not just the recklessly assisting suicide, and that was in June of 2016. She remained on bail until her sentencing of August of 2017, and they ended up just having her serve 15 months, and she was out the entire time just with her family, just living life, totally normal. Like, she did not just kill somebody basically and her sentence didn't actually even start until february 2019 for five full years five yeah dude that happened in 2014 wow that happened in two he killed himself in july of 2014 she did not even start serving her sentence until february of 2019 yeah so not only did she have to wait five years and was out this entire time they only gave her a 15 month sentence it's kind of a slap in the face for his family a huge slap in the face for his family not only did she start her sentence until february of 2019 but by september of that same year she was already seeking early release from her parole board thankfully her parole board did end up denying that but in January of this year, her defense petitioned for her to have her case heard by the Supreme Court. And they were basically saying that the reason they wanted her case to be looked at by the Supreme Court is because all she was doing was exercising her First and Fifth Amendment rights. Like, I don't understand, like, okay, yeah, free speech. I understand that. But you cannot use your speech to convince somebody to kill themselves. She's just manipulated him is what she did. Absolutely manipulated him. Thankfully, the Supreme Court did deny hearing her case on January 20th. But three days later, January 23rd, 2020, she was released from jail on good conduct. January? This year? Yeah! She got out January 23rd, 2020. I swear she just got out last week. No. It was in January. Mm. Yeah. So she literally was released just a few months ago. And so it's like they took five years to get her in jail. They gave her a crappy 15-month sentence. And then she was out within less than a year. So I just don't understand how Conrad and his family got justice. They did it, in my opinion. I don't think so either. Like, nothing about that says 
you are serving a punishment for taking somebody's life. Because even though she did not physically take his life, she manipulated this guy into taking his own life. And I really feel that if it was the roles were reversed and it was Conrad who talked Michelle into killing herself, he would have got a lengthy sentence and he'd still be in jail. Like, I truly believe that there was a huge double standard in this case. Hey y'all, guess what? I have something super exciting to share with you. Have you ever heard of Unsolved Case Files? It is a murder mystery game that gives you the opportunity to put your armchair detective skills to the test. It is so cool because it's as if you were given a real authentic case file and asked to solve it. The file includes realistic material like witness statements, suspect interrogation notes, newspaper articles, mugshots, and real life-like evidence to help you solve the case. Every case file has three different objectives and after you solve each objective, you get to open an envelope that contains further evidence to help get the case solved. But if your skills aren't as sharp as you thought, no biggie because you can go online where they offer hints if you get stuck. What I really love about unsolved case files is that it is a really fun group activity. My husband is not big into true crime, but when I bought ours, he was stoked at trying to beat me to solve our first case. And if you're anything like me, a true crime addict and a top-notch armchair detective, then you will think that it'll be a breeze to solve this case. However, to my surprise, it took us two whole date nights to solve our case. Even though it took two nights, it was the most fun date night because it felt like we were going to be able to solve a real case and help bring real justice. It felt so cool opening up the evidence bag it came in. It felt as if I had finally finished my degree and finally got my dream job as a criminal investigator. Unsolved Case Files currently has five different case files and we seriously cannot wait to get our hands on the rest of them to see if we can solve them in less time. I really love that Unsolved Case Files is not one of those subscription boxes where you have to pay monthly in order to get more evidence to solve a case. This gives you everything you need all at one time, giving you the opportunity to solve it in one night. That's if your skills are just that good. I highly recommend putting your skills to the test by going to unsolvedcasefiles.com and ordering your case file today. Even better, you can use my code UCF5CP to get $5 off your purchase. Karmaholics, don't wait. Get those cases solved. And I know that this is not our typical teen dating violence case just because in the cases that we have covered, we really got in depth about the mental abuse and the emotional abuse and then it graduating, gradually becoming physical abuse. But this is one of those cases that we really felt was important because teen dating violence does not just happen to females. It's not always the male perpetrating on a female. It happens the other way around. And in this case, although Michelle was not physically hitting Conrad, she really emotionally and mentally manipulated him into killing himself. That's, I'm sorry, but that's, that's murder. She took a whole teen dating violence to the next level and got him to take his own life. Holly, I know we've talked a little bit about this case prior to this and I kind of just want to know your thoughts on this because it is a little different from what we've talked about in this whole month but I really felt like this case was so important because it really does show that women can also hurt teenage boys. 
I am stuck on the fact that I don't understand what she would have gained from talking him into that. I understand gaining the sympathy from friends and people, but at the end of the day, that's just words. You know, you don't gain anything else. I really think that's why this specific case kind of fit really well into our teen dating balance segment because when we really look at abusers, it's like, what are they gaining? Like, what are they gaining from abusing that other person? And that's exactly what happened in this case. Like, what is Michelle gaining from making sure that Conrad killed himself? Control. That's it. That's all it's about. That's all that abuse is about is having control over the other person. And so... Again, I know this was not our typical teen dating violence episode, but this episode really was so important because it really did show how the roles can reverse. And we did try to dig up other cases where the male was being abused, but I feel like men don't really talk about it too much. So we had a really hard time trying to find cases like that. And so this is one that really did stick out to us, but it really does happen. It's more common than we think I can think back to being in high school and I remember so many girls being at school and that would just smack their boyfriend across the face and people would be like oh she hit him and it's like if it's accepted yeah it's accepted and people actually kind of think it's funny but if it would have been the other way around that would have been it it would have been a major problem a huge problem that he would have been hit he would have got the crap beat out of him by people around him and so we really need to focus on the fact that it's not just females and that it does happen to boys too so if you are a mom of a teenage boy you need to also talk to him about these kinds of things because your son can also be a victim of teen dating violence it's so important to educate your boys and let them know that girls cannot treat you this way and obviously I am a girl mom and I want to protect her but Holly even for you I'm sure as your boys are getting older how important it is for you to really let them know that this could happen to them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not something to be feeling ashamed of just because their girlfriend is... I feel like a lot of people just try to say, oh, that girl's crazy. Like, she's just... She acts crazy. But in reality, she's an abuser, too. This is actually our last episode for our teen dating violence segment. If you have not yet, I highly encourage you to join our Crimeaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram where we will have pictures of Michelle and Conrad and more information on teen dating violence. Crimeaholics, thank you for joining us on this 30-day segment. As always, be aware and take care.